We're reading from the book of Luke still. We are in chapter 8 this morning. So we are making progress. And we're going to be looking at the first three verses. And when you first read these verses, you, you can tend to want to gloss over them because you can kind of think, what's in this? But they're here for a reason and so we must stand still and see what God has to say to us this morning. So Luke chapter 8, and we're reading the first three verses. Soon afterwards, Jesus went on through the cities and the villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Now when I first read that, or read that passage, I thought, is it just an introduction? And then when I read on, I saw that Jesus was then speaking about the parable of the sower. And so, no, it didn't seem to link to it. And after that... Um, it comes to Jesus calming the storm and no, it can't have anything to do with that. So why is it here? You see, I think it has to do with this whole phrase called ministry. And so, ladies, I'm going to stand still and we're going to give you a bit of attention today because that's what the Bible's doing. It's mentioning three ladies up here plus many others. And so, gents, I don't want you to switch off at all. Because the principles here are still for you. But I want to speak to the ladies specifically today. You see, we need to ask ourselves the question, are you in ministry? And typically someone would say, unless they're a pastor or employed full-time person, they would say, no, I'm just a lay person. You've all heard that? No, I'm just a lay person. You see, Scripture says otherwise. It says that if you know Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord, then you are in ministry. And you may not earn your living by ministry, neither did the Apostle Paul most of the time, but every believer is gifted for ministry or for service, is another word for it. Every believer is gifted for service and is accountable to God to use those gifts. And so if you're a believer here today, you are in the ministry. You are serving. Let's put it this way. Suppose I was a wealthy businessman. I'm not, but suppose I was. And I held a group of franchises. And I came to you one day and I said to you, I'd like to offer you this franchise and I'd like you to manage it for me. And then I come back several months later and I stop by the place where you usually do business. But you aren't there. The door's closed. There's dust swirling in front of the door with bits of paper. The poster's lying, lying unopened in front of the door. And when I finally track you down, I say to you, so how's your franchise going, the one that you were supposed to manage for me? And you say to me, well, to be honest, I'm not too sure. I haven't been able to to tend to it much lately because I've been so busy, you know. Life's been hectic. The kids have had to go to soccer and netball. I've had several projects to do around the house. It's falling down around my ears. 
And I've needed to just get away a few weekends so that I didn't burn out. I think the owner would rightly be concerned about his franchise, wouldn't he? And sometimes we as Christians view our ministry and our service to the Lord Jesus in that way. He's given us the responsibility to minister. He's given us the responsibility to serve. And he's given it to us at a great price. But you know, sometimes we don't put it all that high on our priority list. If you get a little time every now and then, we might just dabble with service. We see it sometimes as a bit of a nice hobby. But when push comes to shove in a busy schedule, ministry isn't very high on our list of priorities. You see, in this little passage here, three verses which we could see as insignificant. We get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes glimpse of our Lord and the twelve apostles and how they managed to carry on doing the ministry they did, how they managed to devote themselves to the ministry of the Word and to evangelizing, because there were ladies here behind them. There were ladies here behind the scenes doing the work so that they could be enabled to go about their work. And they are mentioned here specifically for us. Now, you might say, well, so what? You see, you need to understand a little bit of the cultural and the religious bias that was around. And we've kind of come across it a little bit last week when we looked at this woman who came and who wanted to worship the Lord. There's a cultural and the religious bias towards women in that day. You see, the rabbis refused to teach women at all. They wouldn't teach women. They had ladies teaching women. But they wouldn't do it. And even in the temple, women weren't allowed to come and worship with the men. They had to be separate. They, they, they were relegated to the outer court in the temple along with the Gentiles. That was the day, alright? Now, it's not my fault. That's what was happening. So, if you're feeling angry thoughts, don't. Not, not at me. And you see, the rabbis didn't even regard the testimony of women in a court of law. They weren't allowed to testify. Interaction with men in public was frowned upon. And that's why when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, people were going, oh, look at him. Women were relegated to an almost invisible role in that society. However, Jesus comes and he sets the opposite example. He sets an example where he assigns women a place of high honour. And here these ladies were honouring him and serving Jesus, and their names land up in Scripture itself. God's inspired word. How's that? I don't know if your name's in there. I know my name isn't. But here are some names mentioned here in God's inspired word. They were his co-laborers in the ministry. Have you ever thought of that? These were Jesus' co-laborers in the ministry. And so he, he affords them dignity and respect which was virtually unknown those days. You see, the woman in this account have been forgiven much, and we read about that, and so they loved Jesus. So what can we learn from them this morning? And men, I hope you're still listening, because the principles apply to you as well. Here's the first principle. The first prerequisite for serving Jesus Christ is that you need to come to know him personally. 
You need to know Jesus Christ personally if you want to serve him. You see, here was Jesus on another preaching tour with his twelve going from city to town to village. And what were they doing? They were proclaiming the gospel message. That's what Jesus was doing. That was his life message. He came to proclaim the kingdom of God. Why? Because everywhere he went, people were, and they still are today, lost without that saving message of the gospel. And so that was Jesus' mission. He was out there to preach the kingdom message, the message of the gospel which saved. And Jesus was the herald. He was the one who announced what God wanted people to know. And he came announcing it himself and offering himself as the way back to God. People needed to know. And what was his way of reaching out? What was his method for reaching out? He preached the gospel. We know that clearly from Jesus' life. He proclaimed the truth. And note, he didn't have sideshows. He didn't have strength shows. He didn't have prize draws. He didn't have anything like that. He preached the gospel message with power. And people heard and they were changed. And yes, he did cast out demons. And yes, he healed people from sicknesses. And yes, he changed people's lives and raised people from the dead. Yes, those things happened. But all of it pointed to God. None of it pointed to having any glory. It all pointed to glory for God. But it all came with a gospel message. He never, ever just healed people and then didn't speak to their souls. You see, being saved is of first importance if you want to serve Jesus Christ. Whether you're a man here today, a woman, a teenager or a child, if you want to serve Jesus Christ, you need to be born again. And so I need to stop there and ask yourself a question this morning. As you sit here, and I know many of you, but I don't know all of you, have you been born again? Here comes the question to you this morning. You cannot rightfully serve the Saviour until He is your Saviour. You see, many churches have made the mistake. When unbelievers come in, they beg for money. And so what happens? People moan. They say, all churches want to do is just get your money off you. Well, you see, if you haven't been saved, yes, of course you'll see that. Giving is the Lord's work. And other forms of ministry are the privilege of believers only. We need to understand that. And a person who is not yet a believer may wrongfully think that by giving and by serving, they can earn their way into heaven. But scripture is really clear about that. There is only one way to be saved and it is not through good works. Titus 3 verse 5 says that. You cannot earn your way to heaven. All good works, including giving and serving, should follow salvation and be motivated by grace. You see, if you believe that Jesus saved you and if you have his love in your heart, you will want to serve him. People won't be able to hold you back. Do you know that you've been saved? Is the love of Jesus Christ constraining you, is the old English word? Is it pushing you forward to serve? Is the love of Jesus Christ in your heart? And then secondly, I want to ask you this. If you say you're a believer here today, is Jesus Lord of your life? You see, you often get that little phrase around where people say, I've accepted Jesus, but I haven't quite made him Lord of my life yet. Well, that can't be, you see. 
Because if Jesus has saved you, he must be Lord of your life. Otherwise, you still belong to the domain of darkness. So you cannot say, yes, I believe, but through the way you live, show that Jesus isn't your Lord. Including the way you serve. Is he your Lord? You see, if you're saved, you now possess redemption and forgiveness of sins. And you also live in obedience. It comes from being saved. And secondly, we can learn from these ladies, verses 2 and 3 in your text, if you can see it. Those who have experienced the Saviour's mercy have the privilege of serving him out of love. You see, serving the Lord Jesus Christ is a privilege which comes from the love that Jesus puts in our hearts. You see, some of these women, they weren't just following Jesus around as disciples. They were actually, our text says there, they were supporting Jesus and the disciples from their own means and from their own contributions. Now that in itself was something to take note of. Here these ladies were, and from their own means, they were supporting the disciples. So what would that look like? Well, they would look after the meals, I guess. Men aren't always that good at cooking. And they were busy with ministry. And these ladies would prepare the meals for these disciples and for Jesus. They would possibly, and um, the text doesn't say that now, but they would possibly do their washing, because you need your clothes washed every now and then. And I would suppose that they would try and make arrangements ahead of time for accommodation of some kind for the, the apostles and Jesus. So they would look after those practical details in the background. But they were contributing from their own means. Now, we need to know something else about these Jewish customs. You see, it was a Jewish custom for rabbis to have their disciples looking after those types of things. So a rabbi would have his disciples cooking for him, doing his clothes, doing all those types of things. They would. But it was really not known for a rabbi to have women disciples. Women who were, that was just unheard of. It was actually fairly scandalous in their day and time. But you see, these women were countercultural, And I love that. They weren't pressed on by their culture. They did what they knew was right. And they served the Lord. And these women, along with the twelve, had heard Jesus preaching the kingdom of God and they personally responded to him and they submitted their lives to him and now they love Jesus and it was a privilege to serve him and no one would stop them, not even their culture. Isn't that great? They knew what the reason was for their faith and they wanted to love Jesus in any way they could. And so they served him out of love for their saviour. And now it's really interesting, Luke in the text there mentions three ladies by name. Very interestingly, Mary the Magdalene. Now you might read in your Bible, Mary Magdalene, she didn't have a surname Magdalene by the way. Her name was Mary, but there were quite a few Marys as we have a few Daves around. Alright, that's a pick on him. Mary and Mary and Mary. And Now this one is Mary of Magdalene. She came from a little town called Magdala which was on the coast of um, the lake, the, the western shore of Galilee. And what does our text tell us about Mary of Magdala? Well, it says that she had a dramatic conversion. She had seven demons cast out of her. 
Now, I don't know if any of you have experienced that, but she had seven demons cast out of her. And usually when they used that expression, it meant there were so many more, but it says here seven. She was completely transformed. Those spirits were completely taken out of her. And she had this dramatic conversion. And when we look at Mary's life, and you can look it up in other places in Scripture, you see that she's kind of always on the forefront of the action. And it wasn't her intention, but that's where she lands up. So there she was at Jesus' crucifixion. And when the camera goes over the crowd in the text, there you'll find Mary's name coming up standing in front of Jesus being crucified. And we find her at the empty tomb. She's mentioned there at the empty tomb. She was the one who came along and saw the the, the grave clothes. And then she wondered what had happened to Jesus. And then what happened to Mary? She didn't organise this. She turns around and there's the gardener. And so she asks him, Sir, have you seen Jesus? And then Jesus says to her, Mary, it's me. And here she is, the first one to speak to the Saviour. Now, she didn't plan that. God had that for her. And so she's mentioned in Scripture. You see, love was just pouring out for Jesus Christ from Mary. And we always find in a little gaggle of, sorry, a little group of women. A little group of women together. And Mary seems to be the leader. These names always seem to, to, to be together. There's Mary and Mary and Susanna and Joanna. They always seem to hang around, serving. It's great to see in Scripture. And here she's mentioned specifically. There's another lady mentioned there called Joanna. And she goes by the surname Wife of Chusa. Alright? So, Joanna. What do we know about Joanna? Our text says there that she was married to this guy called Chusa. Now, who was Chusa? He didn't choose his job. No, 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 Billy. He was Herod Agrippa's household manager. In other words, he was responsible for managing Herod's vast personal assets. Now, that was a job of great responsibility. And it usually came with a commensurate salary. And so, Chusa would have been well off. And that meant, you know how these things work, his wife would have been well off as well. And so, there was Joanna serving Jesus. Now, we don't know anything else about them. Did Chusa believe in Jesus? We don't know. We can deduce that he didn't object to his wife travelling around with this Messiah. And what else do we know about Joanna? Well, we did know that she was born again because she was, she's mentioned under this list of women who were saved and had infirmities taken away from them. But perhaps she'd heard about Jesus Christ through John the Baptist witnessing at the court. You've got to kind of tie these things together a bit. We're not told. But she was delivered from her sin and she was healed in her spirit. And here she is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We do know she was a woman of means because of her husband. And so she used some of her own money and her time and her energy to support Jesus' work. So she's very different to Mary of Magdala. And then we have a very interesting one there, Susanna. Now what can I tell you about Susanna? Nothing. That's it, Susanna. But that's an interesting thing too, you see. Because her name's in Scripture. And what is she associated with? Serving Jesus. And so there's Susanna who served Jesus. What a thing to put on your spiritual CV. And here it is in God's inspired word for everyone to see. Susanna served Jesus Christ. 
I wish my name was written up there like that. Calvin served Jesus, but it's not. Susanna was, you see, her name was written up. And maybe Luke knew her. There are records that say that she was part of the early church and she was well known for her works of service and so includes her here. But we're not told. It's not recorded for us in Scripture. But she ministered to Jesus Christ. And then don't miss this. There were many others who. Now the Greek term there is in its feminine form and so it's pointing to other women. Not men specifically here. But women, there were other women who were helping these ladies to serve Jesus Christ. And so it's a great big tick for women in ministry. And women serving the Lord Jesus Christ. What a boost we get here from scripture. These ladies had all been delivered and healed from various things. And now their lives were changed. And they were demonstrating that change in the way they served Jesus Christ. No being secret Christians for them in this oppressive society they lived in. I want to stop. That's all we're going to get from that passage. But I want to apply it here to you this morning. I want to ask you this morning, is the ministry that you're involved in, is the service that you give Jesus Christ, is it a response to grace? Or is it something you do because you must do it? Do you serve Jesus Christ because of the great love for him that is in your heart? Or do you do it because it's a duty? You see, that will change everything for you. We see this in this, these women. They were n- not mere spectators to ministry. They didn't sit around watching others doing the work. They got involved because they themselves had been saved by Jesus Christ and they loved him themselves and they wanted to put the gifts that they'd been given to, at the disposal of Jesus Christ. There was no sitting and watching here for these ladies. They were involved. I've already said they were countercultural in the way that they served. You see, the culture wouldn't allow them to do what they did, but they did it anyway. And you know, we live in a society, ladies, in New Zealand today, which says to you, your career first. It says to you, your needs, ladies, first. Your fulfillment as a woman, first. Put that first, is what the society tells you. But what does Scripture tell you? It says, put Christ first. Put Christ first, ladies. And yes, He may allow you to follow a career, and you will glorify Him through that. And yes, He will meet your needs as a lady. And yes, you will find fulfillment as a woman in Jesus Christ and in His service, if you keep Him central in your life. That's the big call of Scripture. And so serve Him Put Christ first in your home. Put Christ first in your relationship with your husband. And if you're unmarried or if you're a teenager here today, serve Jesus Christ first in the way you set your priorities for your life. Yes, even from a young age. Set your priorities first for Jesus Christ and he will show you the rest. You will find fulfillment in your life if you do that. We see that these women were sacrificially serving The Lord. Did Jesus really need their help? Did he really need their help? Psalm 1 verse 10 says, He who has all the beasts of the forests and the cattle of a thousand hills. What else did Jesus do? He multiplied loaves and fishes and fed thousands. Did he need these ladies? No. He was giving them an opportunity 
to serve him. He was giving them an opportunity to express their love back to the Lord, to sacrifice for him, to work hard for Jesus Christ, to love him. He was giving them that opportunity. J.C. Ryle said it this way, he said it so well, True love will count it a pleasure to give anything to the object love. And ladies, if you're in love today, and men, are you listening? If you're in love today, you will give everything for the one you love. That's what love does. False love will often talk and profess much, but do and give nothing, says J.C. And so I need to ask you this morning, as a believer sitting here today, are you a talker or a doer? Do you talk about what you want to do for the Lord or do you do it for the Lord? Do you serve in practice? You see, the visible church of God today is divided into two groups. And I'm talking about the church of God is divided into two groups. Those who serve Christ and those who don't. Where do you fall today? And I'm not talking about intentions. What are you now doing? Are you serving Christ now? Now, men and teenagers, you thought you were getting off. Well, you're not. Here you go. Teenagers, in light of God's grace in your life, if you say you're a believer here today, what would joining Christ's mission look like for you? You might be studying at uni, you might be at school, preparing to go to uni or into a profession of some type. What does serving Christ in his mission look like for you? How will you serve Christ first? So instead of dashing off and wanting to get that career with all the money coming in, have you stopped and thought, Lord, I want to give my career to you first. Do you need me on the mission field? Do you need me to be a Christian accountant? But it has to have that perspective on it. Not the money first, you see. It's, Lord, what can I give to you first? Teenagers, do you even think that way? And men, and I praise the Lord for all the men already who are serving in this church, because it's quite a rarity sometimes in churches today. We find a lot of ladies stepping up, and that's the history of the church, a lot of ladies stepping up where the men should have been working, the ladies step up and they will do the work. Men, thank you if you are serving, and praise the Lord if you are serving. But if you're not, this is the challenge. You see, it's not good enough that your wife is serving. It's not good enough that your wife comes to church and she's got a beautiful relationship with the Lord. It's not going to carry you into heaven one day. You need to be serving the Lord as well. You need to be the one sacrificially giving of yourself to the Lord. You are to be the one who needs to serve the Lord out of love for Him. You can't go in on the coattails of your wife. You see, in your body you have no spare parts. I don't know if the doctors would agree with me there, but there are no spare parts in your body. And in the body of Christ, there are no spare parts either. Every single one of you, whether you're a man, woman, or a teenager, or a child, have been given a gift by God to use for His church and to serve Him. And the question is, are you using it for Him? Are you using it for Jesus Christ? And I want to stop this morning and I want to acknowledge the ladies specifically who are, and men, forgive me today, but it's the ladies portion here today, alright? We'll come back to you again another day. But the ladies, 
the ladies who are serving faithfully and quietly in the background. Sometimes things we don't even see. Those who run the friendship lunches, and I'm not going to mention any names here because I know if I do, I'm dead. So, <laughs> friendship lunches. Those of you who run the friendship lunches. Those of you who are involved in Bibling schools. And you'll know if you're involved in this. Those of you involved in running Bible studies and leading those. Those of you involved in visitation of people. Whether they come to this church, whether they're in old age homes, it doesn't matter. Those of you involved in serving Jesus Christ in visitation. Those of you who help the elderly, who help to take, look after them and take them around shopping and doing all those things. Looking after them, in other words. Those of you who are involved in looking after our facilities, making them look pretty and neat. Those of you involved in the background, in the kitchen, and in functions that we have here. Those of you who have put up flowers. How many of you notice these? They're beautiful. But someone's done it, you see. Thank you to those ladies. It could have been a guy too, of course. Um, those of you involved in meals, making meals for others, when people need meals. Those of you involved in the children's ministry. And they start at a young age now, and I won't mention any names. People who serve. And they go up to the oldest one here, or sorry, the most mature one here at this church. Those of you involved in the youth group, those of you who are involved in administration here, and even filing music after every Sunday, those of you involved in services in the rest homes, and in the hospital when those services come up, those of you involved in evangelism outreaches, and I know they are here, that have got it on their heart, those of you who help us in worship, pastoral teams, Church and Cafe Connection. We could carry on with this list. It's fantastic. Praise the Lord for you today. And I give thanks to the Lord for you today. And we will when we close the service this morning. But I want you to be encouraged, ladies. You see, these faithful women were not preaching the gospel along with the apostles. But they were as important in the cause of Christ as those apostles. Because the gospel was being preached through their obedient service. So serve the Lord first. Glorify the Lord first through the way that you serve. Use your gifts so that the franchise owner won't look at your life and see cobwebs across your service. Do you get what I'm saying? Serve the Lord out of a heart which runs over with love for him. And then he will bless you too. And one day, you will also have your name mentioned. It's already written up in a book, by the way, if you're a believer here today. Did you know that? Your name is written up in the Lamb's Book of Life, so it's there. But you will have your name mentioned when the Lord calls you up before him one day, and we will all be there, men and women, and he will say to you, well done. And I believe he'll call you by your name that day. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. I look forward to that day. But until that day, let's serve the Lord with all the energy we have. Let's put ourselves out there. And if our culture says no, we do it anyway because it's right and because we love Jesus Christ first. Can I put that challenge out to you today? Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for these three little verses in your words. And Lord, we thank you that you have called us from darkness to light. You've put your love in us. And then you've said, now go out into all the world, taking the gospel with you 
and serve me. And as we serve, Jesus Christ shines out of our lives. Lord, I pray that you will continue your faithful work in this church as men and women serve you. Lord, may may they not serve you out of duty, but may they serve you because of your love pouring out of them. And because they love you, they want to serve you. And Lord, may people see the service and may they see Jesus Christ in that service. And may they come to you and be drawn to the gospel message and be saved. We pray that, Lord. And Lord, I pray for any here that might still not know you this morning. Lord, another day has come. The gospel message has come out to them and it said, come to Jesus Christ and be saved. Lord, do your work through your spirit. And may you be glorified through our individual lives and through the life of this little church here on this corner of Moana Nixon Street called Wanganui East. May you be glorified, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In our last song today, we're going to stand and sing the steadfast love of the Lord.